0: Danny Burke
4: on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host, broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook just outside of Chicago, in Desplaines, Illinois, to be exact. And again, we've got a jam-packed night like we pretty much have for a majority of this week and beforehand. I know we're getting into the slower months slowly but surely, but we still have all that postseason action to preview. Tonight, we've got some hockey with the Lightning and the Rangers. Can Tampa Bay knotted it up at one apiece? Well, I'll share my thoughts on that game in 15 minutes. And then afterward, 30 minutes from now, Jonathan Davis, Series XM NHL radio host of the Ice Cap, will share his two cents on that game and tomorrow's game with Edmonton and Colorado. And man, I mean, going from scoring 14 to, uh, you know, 10 less than that, quite the difference, that's for sure. So we'll talk more about those hockey games in 30 minutes with Jonathan Davis. Of course, we got to hit on some baseball, which we will do at the end of the show, 45 from now. I've got a couple plays in baseball, and if we have time, I'll squeeze in one more to where we can get a little preview with that late game, Dodgers and Mets. I think that's really been a, well, yesterday was a really interesting game because it was so low scoring and then ended two nothing. How do the Mets respond tonight? How do the Dodgers respond after getting swept by the Pirates and then winning? Do we trust them again? Well, we'll get into that game and a couple other ones. But we also, of course, have to spend some time talking about the NBA Finals. I mean, last night was just so many things and I am still in just complete awe with what went down. And when you lose a bet, because I was on the Warriors for the money line, and I'm looking at that, and yeah, at first I'm frustrated, I'm bitter, because Golden State had that double digit lead and they blew it at home. But then when you really are just sitting there watching it, I mean, not only did they just get past Golden State, but they beat him by a hefty amount. I'm just impressed at this point. It's the Ron Burgundy. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. It's amazing, right? Like, that's literally how I felt. And at that point, I'm like, good for you if you had the Celtics and tip of the cap to Boston collectively as a unit for not just winning, but the way they came back. And for that being in game, one of the finals, overcoming all of that momentum. It was just absolutely astounding. But to get more thoughts on that and an explanation why it happened and what we can expect in game two, let's go ahead and start the show talking with our guy, Nick Whalen, who covers basketball over at RotoWire. You can follow him on Twitter, at Whalen. Instead of the L, it is the number one. But Nick, uh, your takeaway from game, well, I guess first, did you have any bets going into game one and just your reaction to what actually occurred? <sighs>
5: yes so I, I did have some bets going last night and i think uh my bets bet a similar fate as your bets i was on the warriors i was feeling great about it through three quarters i, I thought they were going to kind of continue that into the fourth that we were going to have a nice easy you know final six to eight minutes where we could just relax uh, and watch the warriors cover that three and a half point spread obviously that did not happen uh, i was bailed out a little bit i went under on the Kevon looney uh rebounds prop at nine and a half he got to nine uh, i think we'll discuss that in a little bit as it pertains to game two Uh, And I was also on the under last night, which closed at 213 and a half, at least when I got it. And I maintained, Andy, that that was the correct bet. We were on course to go under until the Celtics just hit us with that barrage of three-pointers to begin the fourth quarter. I mean, Boston was down, what, I think they were down like 12 heading into the fourth. Uh, It looked like we were going towards a kind of grinded out type of game for the Celtics where the offense wasn't clicking. Jason Tatum was struggling. The pace for both teams was down in this game. But The shot-making for Golden State early and then, of course, the shot-making for Boston in the fourth quarter uh, ended up pushing this one way over. But I maintain the under was the correct bet. We just saw an otherworldly shooting performance by the Celtics in the fourth.
4: And that's the thing, like, you almost have to, you know, being on the side of Golden State, yes, there's a lot of faults to the side of the Warriors, but at the same time, when a team's hitting as many shots as the Celtics were, you can only do so much. Like, you saw Derek White hitting a shot with a guy's hand right in his face. At that point, you're like, come on, like, there's nothing that could go right on the side of Golden State. But, you know, also to your point, you bring up the total, and I was asking someone about this, if there is a correlation, and I think you are kind of on the right path, but again, I want to see if you think there's that correlation correlation if you see the Warriors win any of these games like they were on track to do it yesterday and kind of on track with the total going under if you think the Warriors are going to win the game do you think there's a better chance that it's going to be a lower scoring effort because you could kind of get a bad performance offensively for Boston if the Warriors win but like the defense is always going to be there and I feel like like we ended up seeing with Boston winning, I feel like if the Celtics are to win, it's going to be because there's more points in this game. Do you think that's correlation, or am I kind of reaching a little bit early on?
5: No, I think you're onto something there. I mean, it's important to note that, I mean, Boston had 80 points through three quarters, you know, which in the modern NBA is not very many. And with the way that that game was going, you know, they were probably on course to finish, at least it looked like, you know, somewhere in like the 100 to 108 range, which kind of would have put us right in the zone to, to potentially hit that under, especially with Golden State struggling in the fourth, but I just don't even know how you quantify what we saw, especially to begin the fourth quarter, where I I think they were at one point, uh, I think they hit 11 out of 12 shots and were seven of seven from beyond the arc. I mean, there's good shooting. Obviously, we saw Boston have a great shooting game against Milwaukee, actually a couple of those uh, in that Milwaukee series, but I mean, this was crazy, and Jason Tatum played no part in it. You know, he was the guy who was missing shots between all the makes in the fourth. That's what's crazy. You know, Jalen Brown played well, but really it was Derek White, it was Al Horford, and it was just shot after shot after shot. And, you know, honestly, Danny, what Draymond Green said after the game, you know, he kind of looked at the stat sheet and said, look, if Al Horford's going to go six of eight, if, if Derek White's going to hit five threes, like, we just have to live with that. I don't think that Golden State comes out of this game feeling panicked or anything like that. I think they felt like they played well enough to win the game. Um, we just have, I mean, obviously you have to tip your cap to Boston, but I think Draymond's also on to something where he's saying, look, we know this is not going to sustain for, the next four, five, six games in the series.
4: Yeah, and, think, and just on the same path of things that may or may not be sustainable, again, the chances those role players exceed on a consistent basis probably not going to happen. Conversely, mm-hmm. for Golden State, you look at their bench, and Otto Porter had, what, like 12 points? But the issue also was Jordan Poole, right? And they still could have won that game even with him having a bad performance, but obviously Boston then controlled the game into the fourth quarter. But when you look at a guy like Jordan Poole, is that a necessity that he has to come alive for this team to over overcome this Boston squad, and do you think that will happen? Is game one kind of a fluke? What, what was your takeaway from Poole?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a necessity because, again, Golden State through three quarters was absolutely on course to close this game out. Yeah. You know, if anything, you know the Celtics did to Golden State what we've seen Golden State do to so many other teams over the years. It's kind of crazy to see the Warriors on the other end of a shooting performance like that. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing to keep in mind, though, is that Boston just won a game with Jason Tatum going 3 of 17 from the field. You know, so you, even though Boston probably doesn't shoot as well uh, as it did in game one in game two, you're also going to expect Jason Tatum to play a hell of a lot better in that game and the rest of the series. So to maybe balance that out, yeah, you need something from Jordan Poole. And, you know, if he's not hitting shots, you can live with that. Um, but he was a huge liability defensively. He had some really careless turnovers uh, that kind of spurred that Boston run early in the fourth quarter. And you can tell there's there's kind of a frustration sometimes, I think, with the word he when it comes to Jordan Poole. But They need him. You know, they really, really need him. They have some other guys they can shuffle in and out. You know, we didn't really see any of Gary Payton in this game. I think that's going to change as the series goes along. But, you know, you're not just going to pull Jordan Poole from the rotation. You, You have to get something from him.
4: Yeah well Nick hopefully they can get something from him for game two so we can get a nice long series here and I know you're already invested in terms of some of these bets for game two but really quick just to set the stage Golden State did open four point favorites they're now up to four and a half they're minus 177 on the money line total at 215 and a half what were the bets that you took for game two?
5: Well, I'm rolling with the Warriors again, and I think this line makes a lot of sense, right? You know, it felt like they were the better team for probably 80 to 85% of that game last night. And and again, you know, the Celtics just had an explosive first six minutes of the fourth quarter, and that was that. And, you know, if if there's any team that we trust to bounce back in this type of situation, it's the Golden State Warriors, and they're at home. I thought the crowd was great great last night. It was just a weird game that got away from them in a way that you just don't see all that often. So I'm still trusting Golden State to even this thing up. Uh, i go back. Well, on a couple of them, game one. I'm going under on 215 and a half. They're giving us two more points in game two. Uh, I don't think both teams shoot the lights out for really most of the most of the game. You know, it wasn't to that same level uh, as Boston in the fourth quarter. But I mean, Golden State. You know, Steph Curry opens up with six threes in the first quarter. Uh, I think we see the defense level up a little bit in game two and some regression on offense. So I do like the under on 215. Again, low pace in game one. It was hovering around 93 possessions. Uh, and I like the under on Kevon Looney, eight and a half rebounds. So they're taking one away from us compared to the number for game one. But six of his nine rebounds in game one came on the offensive end. Uh, that was something that that uh, Boston tightened up as the game went along. I don't think that happens again. Uh, and I also think Looney is one of the guys that, you know, maybe sees a, a little bit fewer minutes as this series goes along and they try to shuffle in and maybe go with some smaller lineups. So those are the two that I have earmarked. And then I'm, I'm probably going to end up getting some action on Jason Tatum over 26 and a half points. Uh, He rarely has two bad games in a row. It seems like he's had a lot of bad games, but typically bounces back. Yeah, I I
4: think I've capitalized off of one of those in that Miami Heat series, too, where he just had, like, his 10-point performance and then got, like, 28-3 and quarters the next game. But, yeah, to uh, limit Jason Tatum that much seems like a very, very tough task. going to be hard to imagine. Golden State does it again. Uh, Nick, we got about 30 seconds or so. Before we let you go, After watching game one, I mean, on the side of Golden State, I feel like it's fairly obvious that Steph Curry is in the running for MVP if they were to win it. But on the side of Boston, I mean, do you take that flyer on Horford or do you still think Tatum is the rightful short shot?
1: Yeah,
5: it's actually interesting that Tatum is still the clear short shot at at plus 125, uh, at least what I'm seeing. I mean, with Horford, it's still probably worth it. I've seen him at 14 to one, but he was 90 to one before game one. So knowing the amount of value that you lost, (laughs) From game one to game two, that that makes that hard. But, man, I mean, if if you had to take the vote right now, I mean, Jason Tatum would probably finish seventh on the Celtics with how he played last Mm -hmm. night. But Tatum's still the smartest value. Uh, But you can see, you know, Horford, one or two more games like this where he carries them, you can kind of see that veteran narrative, uh, the guy who kind of unites the whole team. You can see that starting to develop a little bit.
4: Yeah, that's for sure. Horford just coming through in the most clutch moments. It's just, again, just these weird things that keeps happening with Boston, and they keep finding a way to win. We'll see if they can pull it off again on Sunday. But I'm with you. I'll be rooting for Golden State. So, Nick, thank you for making some time, buddy, and best of luck with all those plays this weekend.
5: All right. Same to you, Danny. Thanks.
4: All righty. Big thanks to Nick Whalen at Whalen on Twitter, over at RotoWire, all of his NBA content. Make sure you check him out.
5: Coming up next, we're
4: talking more postseason action, not only NBA, but NHL as well.
1: If you dare.
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for more sports betting discussions centered around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you have these CityCasts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philly, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. So make sure you subscribe to your local CityCasts wherever you get them available, and you'll get set up with multiple episodes a week and great local sports betting content. Okay, welcome back to Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host here, out of the Bet River Sportsbook. Thank you for being with us on this Friday evening. You can follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke Five and for Veasan, the sports betting network, at Veasan Live on the tweets. Big thanks to Nick Whalen hopping on at the beginning of the show, talking Finals Game Two in the NBA. Speaking of game two and in the postseason, let's switch it over to hockey now. We got the Lightning and the Rangers to look forward to this evening. We lost our bet in game one, went under five and a half, and the Rangers went over that themselves. But I'm not really expecting the same thing to happen with both this just being a high scoring game, but also on the side of I don't really think the Rangers got another win in them this game at least I'm hoping that's the case now before this series I did lean Tampa Bay for game one we didn't end up betting it the rest that was kind of an ample time is something that made me a tad bit timid on Tampa Bay and that proved to be true so thankfully we didn't get invested in that regard but now that they've got that game under their belt They know what to expect out of this Rangers offense, you would at least hope, and Vasilevsky has gotten those reps in there. I think we see the bounce-back performance from Tampa Bay, kind of like what we witnessed in the first-round series when they took on Toronto. They got blown out. I think it was 5-0. They respond in game two, all right? And to me, again, like, even the Maple Leafs are way more lethal offense than the Rangers have been and probably will continue to be. And, yeah, I don't know what it is, but New York just getting that extra juice And motivation from playing at home like a lot of teams do but with them it just seems even more so but if there's a team to overcome them on the road it certainly would be this Tampa Bay Lightning squad now this opened anywhere I guess the lowest number I saw open at Tampa Bay about minus a buck 20 and you know depending on where you look it's really just been all over the place bet Rivers has Tampa Bay up to minus 132 as of this moment I've seen some shops go down to like minus 120 once again. There's been movement back and forth in this game. If you want to look at the puck line with Tampa Bay, by the way, minus a puck and a half, you're getting plus 195. If you want to take the puck in the hook with the Rangers, minus 240. I know a lot of people like doing those reverse puck lines, and I think if you wanted to do the Rangers minus one and a half, it was north of plus 260, maybe even plus 285, something in that realm. But again, a lot of value potentially to be had, considering if the team wins a lot of times they do cover the puck line and the rangers did that in game one and by the way the total is at five and a half once again juice on the under it was about minus 120 earlier in the day and now you see that at minus 129. so we know the trend or i guess both the story the narrative coming into this game and if you don't well let me refresh your mind here tampa bay is in a unique situation here so tampa bay has not lost two playoff games in a row since 2019, since they were swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets three years ago, since then, and I've seen both these numbers. It's either they're 17 and 0 or 19 and 0, but I think the right number is 17 and 0. But after a loss in the postseason since 2019, the Lightning in the next game are 17 and 0. Now that doesn't mean I mean. It, Guess up to this point, yes, you would blindly follow that, but again, you don't want to blindly follow anything, and obviously, this is a unique situation. Every situation needs context and is different in itself but even aside from that stat that's not the reason that I trust Tampa Bay here but I like the fact that you're getting a relatively cheaper price on them that you will assume you will see when they go back home to Tampa Bay and again I just still think they are the better team and I think they respond and Vasilevsky can get back into the woodworking of what we've seen him be capable of doing in these first couple of rounds hopefully they kind of dust that rust off and they get back into the mix and just look like the team, the championship team that we've seen not only the past two years, but these first couple of series. So I went in on Tampa Bay, laid minus 125 on the money line with them. Again, shop around these numbers are incredibly sporadic as of this moment, really in any state it seems, but you could get as low as minus 125. I think Cirque out in Vegas had like minus 117. But man, this game—this uh, is going to be a, a tall tale of what, or a tall tale really, of what we can expect for the remaining games in this series, right? We did take the adjusted price on the Lightning plus 106, so hopefully they capitalize in Game Two, not only to get our money line, but so we're feeling a little bit better about our series price pick with Tampa Bay. So that's what I got tonight in hockey. Uh, furthermore, looking into tomorrow the Avalanche and the Oilers. So we took over five and a half games at plus 105, I think was the number that we had for this series. You know, Edmonton didn't show up last night. Offensively, that was a dud to say the least. But man, this game is of course the most important up to this point because if they lose this, well then all hope is pretty much lost for Edmonton. But I actually do kind of like the Oilers in this spot. Now I haven't touched anything, but if France Sos is getting the nod to start again for Colorado, and I haven't seen anything as of late, then I would have a lot more confidence in Edmonton. And I know that this was different from what we were saying yesterday to the extent of, well, it doesn't really matter who's goalie because if there's gonna be a lot of goals, there's gonna be a lot of goals. And Fransos shut him out last night, right? But it could be one of those fallen star theories to where Kemper was out, Fransos comes in, the team rallies behind him, the defense steps up even more so, and they have a spectacular game. But going back home for Edmonton, I don't think that's going to be the case. And we know that Colorado has been liable to just falling victim in these random spots and really in just a bad way. And again, if you're getting Franco's in the net again, I think Edmonton will push through and find a way to win. And right now they're plus 116 at Bet Rivers. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising that they're that low. Of course, I wish you could get like plus 125 or better, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. We'll have to wait and see where the market goes. Colorado's minus 136, total again is at seven. Just the most classic sports betting thing, right? You know, they score 14 goals and then they get shut out I and mean, scoreless after the first period, Just comical. So uh, yeah, that's uh, too bad if you took the over once again in that game too. Uh, but yeah, we need the Oilers to win so we can get over five and a half games, but we'll monitor the status of who will be goalie for the Avalanche. And if it is gonna be Fransos, then I'll probably be tempted to take Edmonton. I'll always tweet it out if we add a, an additional play at. Dan Andy Burke five on Twitter, but I'm definitely circling that one out for Edmonton in Colorado tomorrow. Then on Sunday, we've got game two of the NBA finals to look forward to. And man, I mean, we already talked about this with Nick Whalen and I talked about it extensively on the Chicago city cast today. So if for whatever reason you want to hear my, uh, more of my thoughts and reaction to it, be sure to check it out. But again, I'm just sitting here in awe and I'm just like, incredibly impressed with how boston came back it's it like yeah i'm salty that the warriors didn't hold on to their lead and we couldn't cash our bet but man I, how do you not give all the props in the world to boston i mean going in that environment in game one with a team that has no finals experience against the warriors team that has what over 130 games of finals experience double-digit lead. Andre Iguodala's even hitting three-point shots, and the crowd's going nuts, and they still come back and then beat you by double digits. I mean, that is just insanely impressive out of Boston here, and if it was like a normal loss for the Warriors like it was a back and forth battle and say Boston wins by six or something I'd probably be like yeah uh, going right back on Golden State but man that just proves to you that the Celtics can just win in any given situation and we also know they're vulnerable to losing in any situation like game six against Miami and almost blowing game seven and what happened in Milwaukee we understand all of these things but this is a completely different beast here Now, again, the inkling still would be that Golden State bounces back with that desperation mode at an all-time high. Yes, it's only game two, but again, because of the fashion they lost in game one, that really changes the dynamic of this whole series. So, understandable wide open four, makes sense at the markets, moving it early enough to four and a half. And the total opened at 215 and a half, remember. But, yeah, that's what I'm kind of questioning here. Like I mentioned to Nick Whalen, if there is going to be maybe a little bit of a correlation, if Golden State is going to be the team out on top, I feel like it could be a lower scoring effort because Boston's defense is going to show up regardless, right? I mean, that's the thing about defense. It's an effort thing. It's not more of a skill thing, it's just having the tenacity and effort on the defensive side of the ball, and they've they've really done that every single game. Like, Golden State could still get limited, but they could shoot well enough to still get over that hump, while at the same time Boston could struggle defensively, which of course would aid in the total staying under if Golden State wins. Now, conversely, if Boston wins, that means they got to outshoot Golden State, and we know how great at shooting Golden State is. So I feel like that would give it a better chance to go over like we witnessed in game one. So I don't know, something to keep in mind. I'm not going to bet anything pre-flop. I'm going to go back to our old strategy with Golden State at this point. Wait for an in-game number, because let's be honest, with these two teams, it's going to be a back-and-forth battle. There's going to be some moment in time in this game and probably every game where you can get a better number. So if Golden State is looking like they're gonna bounce back, but the Celtics are keeping it close enough, I'll try to take advantage of a better number with the Warriors in game. Man, these updated series prices though, maybe a little bit of an overreaction. You can get Golden State as high as plus 160 right now. Horford, MVP, we we're talking about it. Highest number I saw in Illinois, 16-1. to The big question there is if Golden State continues to play that zone defense or focus their attention on Tatum and company, that's how Horford wins if he keeps getting those shot opportunities. But he has been volatile before. Keep that in mind when you're looking at these future bets. All right, we're going back into hockey next segment. Our guy Jonathan Davis hopping on with us right here It is Rush Hour on Beast and Beast Sports Betting Network.
0: Hour on
4: the sports betting network. The Vsin summer special is here and for only $39 you get everything Vsin has to offer from right now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business and right here at vsin.com, you subscribers will have access to all of it which includes Adam Burke's Daily MLB Best Bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have his top plays throughout the NBA Finals, and don't forget, Andy McNeil will be breaking down all the action on the ice throughout the Stanley Cup postseason. Plus, we'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage, and not to mention continued best bets, along with premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. So if you want the full VEASAN experience, which also features the daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $39 and you will be a subscriber through July 31st. So make sure you sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. That is vsi summer. Welcome back to the show, folks. It is rush hour. Danny Burke, your host. Time to talk a little bit more hockey on the program, and we're bringing in the expert to help us do just that, <laughs> and he is Jonathan Davis at West Coast Hockey, where you can catch him on Twitter, and make sure you catch his show, the Ice Cap, on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Jonathan, you've been doing fantastic work all year, and especially with all the trends you've been putting out, we always appreciate it on Twitter, and looking at all the different betting angles for these playoff games, and I know you've already got a ton circled out for tonight, and probably for tomorrow as well, but let's get our attention on tonight, Lightning and Rangers game two, but I guess even before that, I just want to kind of go into your brain and how you looked at assessing game one. Was that a game where you were kind of hesitant to maybe trust a team like Tampa Bay because of the adage, the rest versus Russ? Was that something that maybe concerned you with them going into game one?
6: Danny, I'm more concerned. You want to try to take a look into my brain. That's a pretty scary (laughs) scary task. I I, no, I wasn't. uh, I was not hesitant, you know, and maybe I should have been because the numbers would dictate you know I think it was what teams that were uh, that just come off a seven game series versus a team that had you know had uh, an extended period of time off were 7 and 0 in favor yeah. of the team that had come off that that seven game series so yeah I should have been but you know this Tampa Bay Lightning team is just so professional that I I I overlooked it um and I didn't think they played a terrible game to be honest with you Danny
4: Yeah and and that was kind of my you know I leaned toward the Lightning in that game. I didn't end up taking them, but I was like, if there's a team that could kind of put that narrative to rest, so to speak, I would have envisioned it would have been Tampa Bay. But of course, it didn't go their way, and you know, Vasilevsky got roughed up a tad bit. But we have seen that happen. It went against Toronto, then they bounced back in Game Two. Do you think that pattern could persist tonight? Do you like the Lightning here?
6: Well, how can you bet against Tampa? You know, 18 consecutive wins following a loss in the playoffs, and. Sure, you know it. it it's got to stop eventually. I get it, but I'm not about to buck the trend right now. So I'm looking at, at Tampa in this one, and you know, you, you know, John Cooper just talked about it yesterday in, in the off day uh, media availability about you know his players take these losses personally, and uh, and, and Vasilevsky in particular, his numbers coming off a loss are, are pretty darn good, obviously, you know, outside of the 18 and 0. So. I think that there's a lot of reasons why you want to play Tampa. Uh, but I will say, Danny, the one thing that impresses me most about the Rangers is I think they've gotten better as the playoffs have gone on.
4: Yeah. I agree with you. Look, this this New York Rangers team, it's still a team that I have not fully invested in really in any capacity because I'm still just envisioning this team that I saw throughout the course of the regular season, which featured a fantastic goalie in Shusterkin, but their offense never really was a reliable factor. But that has changed in this postseason, especially at home where they've been a completely different squad. So yeah, I get anybody wanting to still trust New York, but I'm with you. I like Tampa Bay to bounce back in the spot. Uh, I know you may not have an official angle on this approach, though, Jonathan. But, you know, if you had to go one way with this total at five and a half, which way do you lean here? Because I thought it was going to be lower scoring game one. That wasn't the case. If we assume Vasilevsky can step up, you think that'll also be contributed with Shostakovich and maybe having a lower scoring
6: affair tonight? If I had to lean one way or the other, I would go with the under. I I think game one was an outlier for sure. So I think we're going to see more of what both these teams are, are truly made of, especially on the Tampa Bay Lightning side. So, yeah, if I had to lean one way, I'd play the under. For me, I'm more comfortable with some other prop plays uh, and and playing Tampa on the money line tonight.
4: Yeah, and speaking of those prop plays in the aforementioned Shesterkin, you got a prop play revolving around him tonight. Is that right?
6: I do, and I'm kind of going away from, from the trend. I know, you know, everybody's on, and I was on Shesterkin saves over, In game one, but in game two, Danny, I'm going on the under, on the under. Now, I know it's hit, the over has hit four straight and five or six, but here's why I'm going under. Following a loss, the opposition goalie facing the Lightning has had to make fewer than 31 saves in 12 straight games. So for that reason, I'm going to go under the 30 and a half that's currently up the draft game.
4: Wow, that's a crazy trend in itself. Tampa Bay with all these consistent trends. We'll be pulling for you in that regard, buddy. Uh, What about some of these other ones? You got a Kucherov one I see, and then he got a shots on goal prop that you're seeking out, it seems.
6: Yeah, well, Victor Hedman, over two and a half shots on goal. That's been money in the bank as well, and that's hit nine straight times. So, again, I'm not going to buck that trend. Nikita Kucherov, this is a guy that, you know, talk about taking things personally after a loss. Nikita Kucherov has done just that. I, I've got him at least five goals and 23 assists following a loss in these 18 games. I, I, may be, I may have cheated him, actually, a few of a few points. He's gone over one and a half points in two of the three games following a loss in round one to Toronto. And he's done it in seven of the last 10 games coming off a Tampa Bay Lightning loss.
4: All right. Well, you and I will be on Team Tampa Bay tonight. Hopefully we can uh, we can celebrate that victory when we're talking the next time. But. Hey, what about tomorrow with this Colorado and Edmonton matchup? I mean, Edmonton just, you know, laid the goose egg yesterday and it made Francoise look like an absolute stud. But I'm curious if that's kind of one of those fallen star theories to where you lose your starting goalie. The team rallies around the backup coming in. It helps that you're at home. And that's kind of one of the cases that came to fruition. But again, we know that Colorado's capable of this, but I haven't seen any news as of late. I'm not sure if you have, but if Francois is in the net for game 3, I'm almost a little a little tempted to go with Edmonton as the underdog here, but what's your process for handicapping game 3 based on who's
6: going to be tending the pipes? I'm not so concerned about Pavel Francois. I mean, look, this is a guy that was very sought after, you know, uh, when the Washington Capitals were were, were in a bit to do from from Pavel Francois. He's had great regular seasons, his past playoff performances have not been great, but it's a second shutout, Danny, in the playoffs. So, you know, it's a drop-off from Darcy Kemper, but I don't think it's extreme. Now, in saying all of that, you know, I, I was very surprised at the Colorado- that the Edmonton Oilers went away from playing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl together in Game 2 like they did in Game 1. I, I would hope that they would be back together, um, and and I would, again, be looking over, you know, the one-and-a-half points for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean... Look, I, both those guys had nine game points to be snapped. It was only the second time in the playoffs that Connor didn't hit two points in a playoff game. So, again, I, I think that, that he'll hit that mark. You, you know, the, the Avalanche did an amazing job of, of stifling Connor, and in particular, Devontae's and Kale McCarr. But, you know, they get the last line change, so they, they, they do have an advantage in that regard. So, for me, right now, I'm looking at, uh, at at Connor and Leon, both over a point and a half.
4: How about this total, Jonathan? You get 14 in game one, then you get four in game two. The total set at seven once again, with some juice to the over minus 120. If someone were to come up to you and say, hey, I only want to bet the total, which way would you advise them to go?
6: Well, I, I can't bet the under. Look, I give credit to uh, Lou Finnecaro on, on VEASAN yesterday it was all over the under. And I thought, Lou, what are you talking about? How could you torture yourself in doing it? But, hey, g- good on Lou for that. I-, I would still go over and take my chances. I just think there's enough offense on both sides. You know, I was really surprised. We had 27 shots on goal in-, in the first period. A lot of good scoring chances. And we didn't get a goal in that period. And I think that kind of, you know, that that definitely put us uh, behind the eight ball. I'd still look at the over. You know, and And maybe if we get a push, so be it. It's just, it's too hard for me to bet the under with these two teams.
4: All right, before we get you out of here, Jonathan, about 30 seconds, what I found interesting is that, of course, you could get the lightning on the adjusted series price about plus 106, but you could also get them at Bat Rivers plus 375 to win the Stanley Cup. You
6: still have enough trust in this team to where
4: it may be worth a small flyer on that price?
6: Well, I actually did something different, Danny. I've got Andre Vasilevsky to win the Conn Smythe at oh. plus 600. So for me, like I think if Tampa wins the cup, Andre Vasilevsky likely to win the con Smythe. And, and, and hey, I think that's a great value. That's the way I went. I think you can still get Vasilevsky, you know, somewhere between five to one and six to one. I would go that route.
4: Yeah, nine to one right now. So, hey, there you go. Even better value because of the loss of game one. You're getting better spot with Vasilevsky, nine to one for the Conn Smythe, not too shabby at all. Jonathan, we are up against it, my friend. Thank you as always for the insight and the plays and best of luck tonight and this weekend. You
6: too. Have a great weekend.
4: Thanks for having me. You got it. Always appreciate Jonathan hopping on. Coming up next, we got our final segment. We got to delve into baseball, baby. We got a couple plays tonight. We'll let you know what those are next. Right here, it is Rush out.
1: If you dare.
3: MoPlay. play MOPlay. play
1: on VSN,
2: the
0: Sports Betting
4: Network. Bet Rivers is your home for betting on the French Open. Log in any day of the French Open and you'll receive a 20% profit boost that you can use on any live in-play bet on the French Open. The top half of the men's draw has been loaded and well, it's shaping up to end amazingly. So get your free profit boost today and every day at BedRivers.com or on the Bed Rivers app. Terms and conditions apply. See site for more details. All right, it's our final segment here on Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host, and as always, you can follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5 We have not hit baseball yet on the program, so we are going to devote what time we have left on just that, the Diamond, talking a couple plays that I have on the baseball slate this evening. Let's begin going to Oakland. The A's are taking on the Red Sox, and if you look at the opening line, Boston was already warranting your respect as the favorite at minus 135, Oakland was plus 115, but then the betting market, excuse me, told you you needed to invest more on the side of Boston because, well, now it's up to minus 162 for the Red Sox. The A's now sit at plus 138 as the home underdog. Total open seven, still remains at seven with some slight juice to the over minus 115. If minus 162 is too expensive for you, then the run line for Boston could be intriguing at plus 110, If you want to take the run of the hook with Oakland, you're laying minus a buck 30. So the A's, well, in a non-surprising way of telling you, got swept in three games versus the Astros most recently. The Red Sox just split a two-game series versus the Cincinnati Reds. We were able to capitalize off of one of those games and they covered the run line. But what can we expect out of Boston tonight, right? I mean, this team has been incredibly volatile, and speaking of volatile, Nathan Eovaldi has kind of been one of those pitchers that fits that description. Now, Eovaldi has shown very promising starts, but again, simultaneously, you've seen starts where it's like, what the heck's going on? Well, let's look at his stats and see what maybe we could expect tonight. Eovaldi's got a record at 2-2. Two two. He's got an ERA, which is respectable, at 3.77. But then you look at his FIP and you're like, man, that correlation or really that split between the two is not promising. I mean, 5.24 is his FIP. Now, it's also very alarming is his home run to fly ball ratio. It's at 26 percent. Yikes, not something that you typically want to back with a pitcher. But then you look at some other areas. You look at his whip, 1.12. All right, that's fairly solid. And then you look at Sierra, Skill Interactive VRA, which our guy Paul Spore over at Fangrafts, where I pull these stats from, tells us that this is the one that he attributes most often to when he wants to see what to expect out of a pitcher. All right. His CRA, uh, Sierra, excuse me, is 3.14, which is very, very good. So it's kind of weird seeing how his FIP is so high, his ERA is fine, and then his Sierra is low. So take into account with that as you will. But some other promising numbers is that his left on base percentage is 87%. League average is 72%. His ground ball percentage is 45.5%. That's very high. And he's going to over about nine strikeouts per nine innings pitch. So again, there are some promising areas for Nathan Eovaldi and one of those also being his numbers on the road, 297 ERA, 279 WOBA. He has been better on the road as compared to at Fenway Park. His last start, he actually had a complete game versus Baltimore, allowed just two earned runs on seven hits, and they finished with the dub. Now, you look at the side of Oakland, and we know that Oakland's kind of been a disaster of a squad, but has there been a bright spot for them? Has it been with their starting pitcher tonight? Well, not particularly. Uh, James Kaprilian. He's a righty, he's 0-2, he's got an ERA of 5.93 for Caprillian. and look, his FIP isn't promising either. 5.78, 15.5% home run to fly ball ratio. He's got a 135 whip and a Sierra of 4.78. So there's not really one facet of that that would be like, "Yeah, maybe you could actually trust him in this spot. No, not really. Uh, And even more so to that, at home, he has been bad. Bad, bad, bad. 771 ERA. 389 Woba and a 717 FIP. All right, so even though as bad as he's been, can Boston make him look that bad again? Can they expose him? Well, let's consider the splits for the Red Sox. First righties this year, they got an OPS of 722. They got a Babbitt batting average of balls in play of 302. Average is 300. Uh, they got a 316 woba and a 104 wrc plus. Average is 100. So they are slightly above average in a lot of these categories. So again, you know, this wouldn't necessarily blow you away with their offense in this specific spot. But considering how bad Caprillion has been and considering how bad the A's have been, that would be enough to boost some confidence on the side of the away team. Now, if you want to consider how the A's have done offensively against righties, folks, they got an OPS of 5.88, a BABIP of 2.57, the WOBA 2.64, and a WRC Plus of 75. Really bad all throughout. So it's not shocking at all to see the market go heavily in favor of Boston. I didn't get the best number of it, but it's only a four-cent difference in what you're seeing right now. I had the Red Sox 158 on the money line. Again, right now at Bet Rivers, it's minus 162. If that is too expensive for you, absolutely don't hate the idea of going with the run line at plus 110, but I'm comfortable laying that price, and I'm comfortable backing the Red Sox tonight against the Oakland A's. So let's go Boston. uh, We are taking them on the money line. Again, don't hate the idea of going run line. The totals telling you it's going to be a shorter scoring game, which is a little surprising based on how these pitchers can implode from time to time. But let's hope that the Red Sox do a majority of the scoring. So let's go Boston tonight in baseball. And as for the other baseball game, we are kind of going in a unique direction, which we have not done this season. And I'll get to that in a second. But let me set the stage here. So Seattle open minus 120. Texas open plus 110. Total for this game was at eight. You're getting two respectable pitchers, one maybe a little bit more so than the other, and that one being Logan Gilbert. He's been rock solid for the Mariners up to this point. He's 5-2, and two, 229 ERA, 3.28 FIP. He's got a whip of 1.03 and a really good Sierra of 3.57. On the road, he's been even better. I mean, a 204 ERA, 257 WOBA, and 377 FIP. He has gone against the Rangers once this season. Through six scoreless innings, allowed six hits. The Mariners won that game at home, 4-2. Now opposing him is Dane Dunning, the righty. Yeah, you'd look at his just basic stats and he'd be like, why is there some love going to the side of Texas here? Well, Dane Dunning, yes, is one and three, 4.31 ERA, but his FIP is 3.79 and his Sierra is 3.61, so not too bad and he has pitched better at home where he's sporting an era of 377 and a fip of 3.63 and at seattle he did pitch in that game where logan gilbert went scoreless he allowed three earned runs in that game he only went four innings pitched and again they lost four to two so maybe the mariners have his number but you know seattle does do fairly well against righties But on the road against righties is where their stats start to decline. So that's where I could see maybe some trepidation on the side of the Mariners or rather the market going toward the side of the Rangers in this regard is that, hey, I mean, this is a team that's hit better at home. This is a team that, yeah, they have struggled against righties, but their stats increase in that regard with their home splits. Whereas Seattle, good versus righties. it tends to decline on the road. And I'm not taking that too much into account because I'm not backing aside. I would lean towards Seattle here. I'd probably do first five with Logan Gilbert. But because Dane Dunning has some potentially positive starts to look forward to with these stats we're seeing, it's swaying me away a little bit. But let's consider the angle of the runs in the first inning. Now, I know there is a whole discourse about it on Twitter saying you shouldn't bet a no run in the first inning and you should only be doing yes runs in the first inning. Or maybe not that you should only be doing it, but that more often than not, that's going to hit. And that's why I've really never bet this at all as of this point in the season, right? I mean, it's kind of one of those bets you just do it to get it out of the way with. And there is a lot of value when you look toward the yes. But I'm actually looking toward the no in this spot. Minus 115 is the number I got. So, again, I I do think it's going to be lower scoring because I don't think the bats are going to come alive as much. They don't dominate with these respective splits. And the pitchers are showing signs that they could go deep and have good outings. The concerning part is that, yeah, Dunning has a 15 percent home run to fly ball ratio. But the Rangers ballpark isn't necessarily known to be a high home run park. Right. And if they keep the top open, not sure if they are or not. But the wind is blowing in last I checked. And then you look at Gilbert because a home run, a solo home run is a big way that it can kind of screw you on the bet. You now Gilbert's got an 8.6% home run to fly ball ratio, so I'm hoping they can avoid that. I'm hoping these pitchers show out immediately and the bats take a while to get acclimated. So I'm actually going to take the bet on the no run in the first inning, minus 115 for the Mariners and the Rangers. That's the other bet I'm rocking with tonight in baseball. So we got no run first inning, Seattle and Texas. Boston, the Red Sox on the money line, minus 158 on the road against Oakland. And then for hockey tonight, in case you missed it, we're going with the Tampa Bay Lightning, needing, wanting, expecting a better performance out of Andre Vasilevsky and just his Tampa Bay Lightning offense. Got a minus 125, make sure you shop around because the numbers are differing immensely at a lot of different books here in the state of Illinois. If I add anything for Sunday's game in the finals or for the other hockey series manana, I'll be tweeting it out on Twitter. You can follow along at Danny Burke 5 That'll wrap it up for another edition of Rush Hour on this Friday evening. Enjoy the games tonight and your weekend. Best of luck with all your plays, folks. And until Monday, well, that'll be the next time we talk. Take care.
3: Zumo Zumo Play.